Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. Great to be with you this morning. Hey, how good is it to be in church together, just glorifying God and coming into his presence? So, so good. Wow. Um, Celebrations, do you like them? I mean, we come together like a morning like this morning, and we celebrate, yeah, which is great. Uh, I love celebrating. I love eating and celebrating. I think the, the pinnacle of eating and celebrating is uh, like the, the, the wedding feast. I love a good wedding. You know, there's nothing quite like uh, when two people come together and you know them and you know their families and you love them and uh, coming together. And recently, uh, you know, I've been going to weddings where they have those long tables and it's shared platters, you know, where people are bringing out the banquet food onto the tables. And, and I don't know, but there's something wonderful about as people are reaching and sharing and talking and, you know, handing one another various different elements of what's on the table. And it's just fantastic. It's so, so good. I love it. It's, uh, it's exciting times. Uh, did you know that you've been invited to a wedding banquet? Did you know? You're invited to a wedding banquet. Now, I'm not talking about someone here. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, you didn't get the, the invite on, on uh, Instagram or Facebook or something like that. I'm telling you that there is a great wedding banquet that God the Father is inviting us all of those people who would call on the name of Jesus and are in relationship with God through Jesus are coming together where the church uh, as the bride and Jesus as the groom coming together in eternal union. This great wedding feast is happening one day. John in Revelation describes it like this. He says, blessed are those. In other words, you're blessed If you're a part of, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Now, the Lamb isn't what you're eating, although it could be, okay? The Lamb there is Jesus. The prophet Isaiah described it like this. He said, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. Now, come on, if that doesn't get you a little excited, I, that sounds great to me. I, if, if he's putting on the spread, I want to see that menu. I want to see that wine list. That's going to be an absolutely amazing banquet of celebration, of coming together. And today we are heading into a series entitled The Great Banquet that's going to help prepare us for and lead us into our our time at Easter. You know, through the the deeper uh, waters messages that we've been doing recently, we've been talking and looking at the fact that when we're called to step out into these deeper waters, part of that as we follow Jesus is that he has invited us, called us to be fishers of people. And, And this is still the same call today, to be fishers of people, to go out and to see people come in to be a part of this wedding banquet, this great feast that we have are invited to one day for all eternity. And we want you to be able to share the love of God with others this Easter. 
We want to see you and help you make the invitation to come and learn and, and that they also would experience all that God has for them. And God is preparing this great banquet that all are invited to, to come and experience his goodness. And we wanna prepare you with that opportunity. We wanna help you uh, invite your friends, invite your family to be able to, to come and celebrate that at Easter. We felt that as a leadership, that, that God is asking us to push back against the notion that Easter is better known for a four day long weekend than it is as a holy weekend celebrating who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And so because of that, we wanna reclaim uh, the weekend to be that celebration of Jesus' death and resurrection and rather than a celebration of camping, okay? Uh, I'm all for camping, I'm going the week before. <laughs> so uh, we're actually gonna uh, do some things a little bit different over the Easter weekend. You, you heard about it if you were here on time right up front at the beginning of church this morning. So we're gonna have our Good Friday service right here as usual. But on, on the start of Saturday, uh, Hallelujah Saturday, we're gonna start at 5 a.m. and go right through for 24 hours to 5 a.m. the next morning uh, through prayer and worship in uh, the prayer room, okay? So we're gonna invite you to be a part of that. We want you to sign up. You can just uh, head to our website. It'll give you some more information about how you can do that. It'll take you to another website for 24 seven prayer. And then sign your name, come and be a part of and, and celebrating uh, this magnificent holy weekend that we're about to enter into. And then at the end of that, at 5 a.m. on the Sunday morning, we'll head up to the mountain and have our usual 5.30 a.m. sunrise service at Mount Kutha, okay? So you'll notice the ones who have been praying all night, they're gonna be the ones that just, they're gonna look radiant and glorious because they've been in the presence of God all night. Okay, so come along, be a part of that sunrise service. And then back here, we're having an extended Sunday gathering around the banquet table for our Sunday services here on that morning. And it's gonna be something a little bit different, okay? So uh, we really want you to, to uh, excited about reprioritizing our Easter schedules to honor and celebrate Jesus over that holy weekend. And so there's a passage that we're going to be speaking into, in fact, over the next five messages, including this one. And that comes from Luke chapter 14. So if you have your Bibles there, you might wanna open up to Luke chapter 14. Now, just setting the context of this passage that we're going to read into uh, in verses 15 through to 24, Jesus is, is sitting around a table sharing a meal and he's got some pretty exclusive company. In fact, he is sitting in the house of a Pharisee, uh, one of the religious leaders, and there he's uh, uh, sitting down and, uh, and, and having this meal together. And it's this particular point around this meal and even right up at the beginning, in Luke chapter 14, right at verse two, it says, um, uh, no, sorry, verse one, it says the Pharisees, the prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. Jesus was being carefully watched. It, this sounds like a, a, you know, an espionage, spy thriller type of scenario here. He's in the house of someone prominent, about to have a meal, and he's being carefully watched. Why, why is Jesus being carefully watched? It makes him sound like he was a danger to those around him in some way or another. Well, perhaps he was a danger. 
to, in some ways to those around him. You see, Jesus wasn't a threat to anyone's physical safety unless you liked being sick because uh, he did his best to get rid of that. Uh, so uh, he wasn't a threat in a physical way, but he was threat to the powerful, to the religious leaders of the day. He was a threat really to the political leaders of the day also in just the way in which he was uh, conducting uh, himself and what he was teaching into. And uh, right up front says that he sees a guy who's suffering and he brings healing to him. And then uh, that doesn't seem to raise too much of a kerfuffle. They don't want to, they're watching him. That's exactly why they're watching him. Is he healing? He's healing now? Oh. And then they'll start to talk about the topic of healing on the Sabbath. And this discussion is going around. But Jesus notices something else that's going on uh, with these people. And he notices how they are jockeying for a favorable position at the table. And he talks to them about having some table manners and having an attitude of humility that when they come together sharing in a meal, they're to be humble, not searching for the best place at the table and to recline around, but in fact, to, to come in a humble way. Now, he's already starting to upset the apple cart a little bit at this meal, right? Because he's having a direct dig at the very people who have invited him to this meal. It was a place to be seen if you're invited in to this prominent Pharisee's house for a meal. Well, that elicits further discussion. Let's read about it in verses 15 through to 24. When one of those at the table with him heard this, in other words, heard the fact that he had just, you know, talked to them about being humble and not jockeying for a position at the table, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. And then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out into the roads, into the country lanes, into the, compel them to come in that, that, so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get to a taste of my banquet. Jesus responds to one of the people around the table, most likely another religious leader, or a prominent person, to the comment, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. Jesus responds with this story. It's a parable. Parables are, are special stories that have a meaning behind them, a spiritual depth and understanding, a meaning behind the initial 
upfront story. And so we're going to unpack that story for the next couple of weeks. Um, I recently received uh, this invitation. Have a look at this. And uh, when it came into my inbox, there's uh, ex-president uh, Obama. And, uh, and I, I, I saw that there was opportunity to actually go and uh, have a, a, a time, a lunch, actually. It's an extended lunch into the early evening with uh, President Obama. Uh, I thought it was just a little bit fake at first because I don't know why I was getting an invite. And then I realized everyone got an invite and it was gonna cost about three and a half thousand dollars to attend. So uh, I didn't go. But they must have been a little bit desperate because they actually phoned me on the Thursday uh, of last week and said, did you receive it? Uh, are you coming? I said, no, I'm not coming. Uh, thanks very much. Uh, but I, I don't know, they must, mustn't be full. Either that's a very big hall that they need to fill. Um, but I was thinking, wow, that would be a bit exciting, wouldn't it? Imagine, imagine, can you imagine, like, with the King's coronation is coming up, can you imagine getting an invite to that? Something prominent, something special, something where you would sit around and you'd enjoy a feast together and listen and hear the conversation of others and important and prominent people and just get to hear what they're saying. Well, that's kind of on a much, much smaller scale what Jesus is talking about and on a much bigger scale, something Jesus is talking about. Jesus is at a, at a meal when he shares this story, and it's a, the idea of being invited in the time of Jesus to a banquet, to a feast at someone's house is a big deal. It's not just a, you know, your neighbor and others. If a prominent person is holding something special, to be invited is the place to be. It's the place to be seen. It's the, the place in which if you were another prominent person, it'd be like, well, did you get the invite? And then you would make up your mind whether you're going based on who else is going, who is hosting it, and you would start to this, uh, you know, uh, social maneuvering, if you like, in and around the whole idea of a banquet. Remember the passage I read out before from Revelation and Isaiah, <coughs> describing the banquet that we're all gonna be invited to? Well, this is the banquet that this person is asking Jesus about. Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. This guy is breaking the nervous silence there must have been after Jesus smacks them down about not jockeying for a position at the table and remaining humble. And this guy probably thought that both Jesus and all the other guests sitting around the table could agree with this pious kind of comment that he comes out with. Everyone would probably look and nod to one another and said, yes, yes, amen. Won't it be wonderful when we're all there together because it, it, it is an amazing thing that we've been invited to. So the, he didn't really get the, the, the message from the first story. He didn't get the message about humility because he said, oh, yes, but then there's that great banquet we're all going to be a part of, right? Do I have to jockey for a position there? And it will be a blessing. 
In fact, that's what John says, that it will be an incredible blessing. You don't want to miss out. You don't want to take it for granted or, or, or even worse, still show no interest in attending that great banquet. And that's kind of Jesus where he takes now the story because he wants to reorient their understanding of who will be welcomed and who will actually be at that great banquet. The unstated question that lies behind what sort of, is this, what sort of person will be in the kingdom of God? The Jewish leaders sitting around that table, that meal with Jesus, all assumed people just like us. That's who's gonna be in the kingdom. That's who's going to share at this great eschatological banquet of end time proportion. People just like us, of course. Good, law-abiding followers of God who follow the traditions of the elders, who keep themselves ceremonial clean. And if you've asked them what sort of people are gonna be excluded from the kingdom, they would have had a really quick response to that too. They would have said that Gentile dogs, the immoral, the greedy, the dishonest, the tax collectors, those are the kind of scum that will not be in that kingdom great end time banquet. And Jesus just yanks the rug out from under their self-righteous assumptions by telling them this parable. The rich man here stands for God, who has invited Israel, the invited guests, to partake in this end time banquet. The kingdom was prepared for them, but when Jesus came preaching that the kingdom of heaven is near, he was rejected. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And the servant could therefore represent Jesus who called Israel to come to the party and he's eating and he's drinking more with the tax collectors than he is with the Pharisees, more with the, the, the sinners. Perhaps he's anticipating the banquet guest list, the poor, the blind, the lame, the ones behind the hedges and the highways represent those outside of Israel the ceremonially unclean, those previously considered not worthy of the invitation. And Jesus just wrecks the whole idea. You need to understand a little bit about how people were invited to parties back then to understand uh, this parable that Jesus talks about a little bit more. It was common in the day of Jesus to have a double invite, a double invite. So when the upper class threw a party, they would send out an invitation, but it didn't have a specific date. It didn't have a specific time on it. It said, I'm going to be hosting something uh, soon, and uh, would you like to come? And this is where all the, the jockeying would take place even prior to the actual banquet itself. Who's going? Uh, is anyone, who's invited? Will it be a great place for me to be seen? If I'm there, and particularly if it's at the right person's house, the right person's place, and it's the right kind of feast that they're, I'd want to be seen there. That's, that's the, the invitation that's going out. Now, you'd also then, at the same time, 
the guests who accepted the invitation, if you said, yes, I'm coming, are then honor-bound to attend when they're informed by the servant that the meal is ready. So it's, uh, the initial invitation is, would you like to come to my house? I'm throwing a feast. And Amaka says, John's house. I'd love to be at John's house. I'm going to be there. And so all the different people I've invited, they all say, yep, 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 that'd be great. But then I send somebody out when I've actually prepared it and got it ready. It might be next week. It might be the next day. It might be in a few hours. And here it is. It's ready. And now I send out the servant who then says, it's ready. You said you were coming. Come. Okay. And they're bound now by honor to attend. But here's what happens in the parable. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The excuses for skipping the banquet are really, really lame. No one buys land without first looking at it. Same for oxen. The, the oxen tells us that that many oxen, five yoke, they, this guy is filthy rich. If he can afford to buy five yoke of oxen, means he's got a lot of land that needs cultivating. Yeah, and he can afford to buy them. So this guy's a prominent guy who's been invited. He's, he's rich, but he then says, you know, no, I, I, I can't, can't come. That would be like me saying, I, I'm buying a Porsche, but I haven't test driven it yet. You know, I need to try it out. Sorry, the newlyweds. Yeah, sorry, hey, yeah. Like we just got married, best banquet ever. Not coming to yours, sorry. All three excuses and the parable reveal the insincerity on part of those who were invited. There's no doubt that Jesus is having a complete dig at the rulers and the Pharisees who have said yes to the invite to be at this eschatological banquet, this end time banquet, but now are they ignoring Jesus, the servant king's invitation to come. The kingdom is here. There's one thing he's saying to them. But equally, Jesus is now questioning the value they have of the banquet and the one who've invited them. They're prideful in being invited. Of course, we would be the sort of people who you would want at our party. But they're also incredibly rude then in shunning the actual banquet by making lame excuses. And Jesus is saying, you've received and accepted the invitation. And now you're making lame excuses because you're so preoccupied with yourselves. You're so preoccupied with, with the worldly stuff, the possessions, the land, the family are being prioritized over the banquet. But I can't help put myself in this picture too. Of course, we're the ones that get the extra invite. 
We're the ones that are outside of Israel. We get the invite to the banquet at the end time because Jesus has gone to the highways and the byways, those not originally invited, but now we have been invited and made a part of the guest list. Portraying of the kingdom of God as a festive meal in the Bible is quite common. We receive the invitation. Come, everything's now ready. What's our response though? The meal may be ready, but are we? Where are our priorities? Do we want to enter the kingdom where God reigns? Or do we prefer to follow our own self-centered agenda? Do we value the invitation? Or have we said yes and then really got busy about a whole lot of other stuff? Worse still, have we lost sight of its incredible value and instead placed much more value on far less valuable things? Do we consider it a great honor to be invited into God's kingdom or have we taken it for granted? You see, if we're heading into Easter and our great desire is to come and fix our eyes on Jesus and remember all that He's done for us and make that a priority, make that time of a holy weekend where Jesus is front and center because our schedules are reprioritized, where we give Him the honor, the worth, the glory. The invitation is there. But have we got a whole bunch of other stuff going on? Will I, in fact, if I don't value it, be actually thinking about others who have yet to receive an invitation because they don't know that there is a banquet? Will I value it enough that I will go out and extend the invitation to those who don't yet know there's a banquet for them? See, the value that we each need in each of our own lives is to value that of the kingdom. How we view the invitation is going to determine our response. It'll also determine if we're ready to extend that invitation to others. When you walked into this room this morning, someone offered you an invitation. It was there on the table for you to take. It's in the form of this wafer and this juice. And this symbol reminds us of what is required for us to have a seat at that great banquet. And Jesus is the invitation to that great eternal celebration. He came not only announcing the kingdom, but made the way and has prepared the table. I like how in the message version of Hebrews chapter 12, verse two, it says, because He, Jesus, 
never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honour, right alongside God. And when you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he ploughed through that will shoot adrenaline back into your souls. Do we value the invitation? Enough that we'll reprioritize ourselves to come. Will we value the invitation enough that we'll extend it to others who are yet to know that they are also invited to the kingdom, to be a part of it? This is such a great reminder for us as we head into Easter, not to take it for granted. It should remind us of what Easter really all is really all about. We, we should reclaim it, church. We should reclaim it. Make it a priority in our own lives. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.